You are listening to The Political Periscope, a weekly podcast brought to you by Radio WNET. Interviews on international politics, security, geopolitics, economy and more, every Thursday at 7pm. Today's guest of The Political Periscope is Sergei Sumlen, director and founder of European Resilience Initiative Center. Political Periscope. The last time German government made a shift in their politics, a shift towards helping Ukraine, really helping Ukraine and engaging on this side of the war. Uh, unlike before, they were more um, distancing themselves and they were more careful, I would say, maybe, in this help and this aid to Ukraine. Do you think this shift is permanent? It is hard to say. Uh, what we witness now is indeed uh, an unprecedented shift in the German foreign politics uh, regarding uh, exports of, of weapons, regarding uh, solidarity with Ukraine against Russia. And that is important, that it is solidarity against Russia. And Russia always uh, has been like some sort of a holy cow in the German foreign politics. And uh, the fact that uh, the German government, after all the debates and uh, very long debates, and uh, for you and for me, it is clear that it should have happened much earlier, way earlier. But after all the debates, the fact that the German government has decided to deliver almost every type of heavy weapons to Ukraine with one simple goal to, to, to kill Russian soldiers, like it is very clear the, the aim of these of these weapons it is not uh, some sort of uh, like uh, some sort of preventive defense when like we show the strength and the enemy will not attack which would have happened if these weapons would have been delivered like in January last year or in 2021 then we would say okay like it's not for the war it's just for showing strength no now these tanks and this artillery uh is being sent to Ukraine to kill Russian soldiers. And that is amazing shit. That is what nobody could imagine before. That sort of sanity, of decisiveness, of readiness to support a good cause. That is amazing. That is not to be discussed. Um, another question is how sustainable it is and what will happen when Russia is defeated? What will happen when Ukraine uh, like uh, restores its territorial integrity and uh, liberates uh, the temporary occupied regions? Will this solidarity with Ukraine stay or will this decisiveness uh, remain in the German foreign politics? If something like we have witnessed in Ukraine, if something like that would happen to another country, will the German reaction be the same or faster or Germany would say, no, we have already done one heroic, uh, heroic step and we're not ready for the next one. This is absolutely not clear now, because I think that Germany and German society and German polit political elite, um, they're not ready yet even to digest the level of this change and the level of, uh, of the challenges we face now. And I think we will need like, a lot of um, a lot of self-reflection to understand what what we have done, what we have not done, and what we can do and should do in the future to to do it better. 
you said that Russia was a kind of a holy cow in German foreign policy for years. Why? It's a long story. Uh, I don't know where to start. Uh, we, we clearly witnessed in German-Russian relations um, a history of at least two and maybe even three hundred of years of special relations. These relations um, uh, have been based on economy, on uh, political interest, on some sort of uh, some sort of spiritual practices like this idea of holy Russia, which knows some secret and which is so spiritual, we definitely need it here in in in, in uh, Germany. Of course, strategic corruption. Of course, interests of uh, certain uh, German economic and political circles. Of course, a lot of anti-American. Like Russia has been seen as a, a counterbalance to the U.S. as a great player which Germany could rely on in perpetual German rivality uh, with the free society of the US, like German society, more hierarchic one, more conservative one, and the uh, fast-developing uh, egalitarian US society. And of course, the interests of German political elites and of uh, of the German industry in the countries of the Central and Eastern Europe, like Poland, Ukraine, uh, Czechia and, and other countries, uh, the Baltic countries. Uh, these countries, Germany used to see as uh, almost non-existent, like as countries in between of Berlin and Moscow. Uh, they were like, from that perspective, they were a natural prey for two predators, Berlin and Moscow. And uh, it is not what happened only during the Stalin-Hitler Pact. In 1939, the division of Poland. The division of Poland has happened uh, three times before during the Tsars. And if you look further, like in the in the days uh, of, of uh, Schroeder Putin uh, cordial alliance, uh, it was the same approach. The destiny of the Central Europe was decided over the head of the Central European countries by uh, like the vodka meetings of uh, two great leaders of two great nations and uh, that was of course another one component of this eternal love of berlin towards moscow like only with moscow we could rule europe as the way as we wanted as we believed we deserved to rule europe so the uh, uh, this relation is uh, very multilayer and 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 old like i i wrote recently uh, an essay for ukrainian magazine arc ua about this uh, germany's delusion of russia uh, how it grew up from catherine the second time of the privileged status of german settle uh, settlers in the tsar's uh, empire and later like all the opportunities which german managers up to now had in Moscow, which they never had in in Germany. Um, like if you if you come as a middle level German manager to Moscow, uh, like in in the year two thousand or two thousand ten, uh, you got to quite another quite another world, quite another universe. Like you get to paradise because uh, your salary suddenly jumps 
like you got uh, way more salary because uh, you're expatriate and uh, there are all the threats in Moscow, but you pay only 13% income tax unheard for Germany. You get your car, you get your apartment in the center of Moscow because Moscow is a dangerous city. And of course, you need to have a representative, a representative apartment. But that is like normal. That is what you got in every uh, like striving economy. You go to Kuala Lumpur, you get the same. You go to Brazil, you get the same. But what you get in Moscow was quite different, of so quite different Liga because you got access to the political leadership immediately. Uh, you got invited to breakfast at Russian Foreign Ministry, uh, Russian Ministry of Economy. And amid sanctions, you get even more of these invitations because Russians see you as a tool against the sanctions and against the political will in Berlin. Uh, you don't need to respect the law of like the labor law. Like Russian labor law is very liberal, like neoliberal, but you don't even need to respect it. You can fire high and fire. You can harass your employers. You can like do whatever you want. Uh, like you can sexualize and objectify uh, your female employers. Uh, and you can and the projects, giant infrastructure projects, which you would never be able to implement in Germany because of environmental regulation, because you need to uh, have confirmation from all uh, parties, like from if you build an airport in Germany, it's a catastrophe because you need to, to get approval from the environmental office, you need to get approval from the city hall, uh, you may not uh, construct it too close to the living area. If you want to destroy like some pond or some garden, you go to court and it can last for years. In Russia, Opposite, like, you have a green light from Kremlin, you may do whatever you want. You build an Olympic village in Sochi, and you just uh, deport people, villages, you destroy their houses, like, you build roads on the cemeteries, you, like, uh, build some, some, some ice hockey halls in a tropic climate. It is something like a feeling of being uh, a German colonial officer in the media in uh, like uh, 8 and 10, when you can do whatever you want and uh, the only person you're accountable to is your, is your uh, chief officer in Berlin. It's a great feeling for those who wanted to do something, but were not interested in respecting moral or law. And that created a huge lobby for Russia inside of the German society, because Russia was the only place where you can do whatever you want and be who you always wanted or dreamed to be, like in the West world. You mentioned uh, the Germanese will to rule Europe with Russia at some point. Today, Germany seems to be as far from ruling Europe as it was in last three decades, at least, I would say. Not every state in a casino wins. Like... Uh, Imagine Russia had won this war in Ukraine by capturing Kiev within three days, which was not unrealistic. Like that is what I, I need to stress. Like many people say now, like Putin was so stupid, he has attacked Ukraine uh, in a vain hope that he can crush Ukraine, but it was impossible. Uh, I'm not sure it would be possible for Putin to gain 
total control, like uh, sufficient control over the occupied territories. But I believe he could indeed uh, destroy uh, or at least uh, severely damage Ukrainian statehood, state system. And Kyiv was uh, very close to fall if Russians uh, would have uh, established sustainable control over Hostomel airport on the city suburbs, uh, it would have allowed them to constantly expand uh, the control of territory to arrange an airlift and to conquer Kiev within indeed like three, four days. And uh, then the TV picture would have been quite different with the Russian banner waving over Khrushchev and the Western governments would have been uh, like very reluctant in providing more support for Ukraine. And we remember that uh, for the, the, the time in, in uh, March 22, Ukraine didn't have any heavy weapons. Like the only Western weapons that Ukraine had were anti-tank missiles and anti-air portable portable uh, missiles like Polish Perun and uh, American Stingers. And that was it. So uh, Russia could indeed uh, obtain control over Kiev and demonstrate it to the West. Then a new start of like international negotiations uh, would be inevitable, and Germany would be leading in this like negotiations. And Germany would have forced Ukraine into some sort of peace deal, into some sort of compromise. So uh, I don't think that uh, this scenario would have been absolutely unrealistic in like early March last year. So, but you're right that uh, Germany uh, invested too much of its influence and money and interest in Russia uh, and uh, gets punished for that even by now. Like today, uh, 20th March, we we have news that the German, the, the biggest German, the largest German car manufacturer, uh, Volkswagen, which used to be once the world biggest car manufacturer, like overlapping Toyota, um, all the activa of Volkswagen in Russia have been arrested today because the court, uh, if I may call this Russian institution a court, uh, believed that or judged that uh, Volkswagen has violated its contractual um, obligations towards uh, Russian manufacturer gas uh, as uh, Volkswagen quitted to the contract and all active of Volkswagen uh, have been have been frozen now. So now look, Volkswagen invested a lot of money in Russia since decades. Volkswagen was the first uh, or one of the first German manufacturers, yeah, one of the first because the first one. Uh, the first uh, like mass producer of cars uh, which came to Russia, uh, Volkswagen founded a huge car automotive uh, production cluster in Kaluga, close to Moscow. Volkswagen brought producers of equipment, of tires, of electronic, of everything. Vladimir Putin personally opened uh, the, the new assembly line of Volkswagen like 10 years ago with a huge photo session. And Volkswagen believed they got control over their own destiny because they had these special relations with, with Russia and Germany uh, is uh, welcomed in Russia and German cars are a symbol of German industry. And now they are producing their Volkswagens uh, close to Moscow and that opens the whole 
market of Eurasian economic area in Kazakhstan, in Armenia, in Belarus. You can export them over, uh, everywhere. And that was like winning in a lottery. But in effect, it was a huge mistake because Russia took their money as hostage. And now they, they just do whatever they want with this investment because you cannot just take your factory out of dictatorship and evacuate it. So that is what's happening with the German investment. And that is the consequence of uh, ignorance, of uh, short-sighted vision, and of delusions or delusions. At the same time, uh, DHL is restoring its uh, operations in Russia. But in Europe, do you think this leader position of Germany that it held for years mm, is still viable or Are there new leaders emerging, new countries that can speak to the US, that can be the voice of Europe outside, and new countries that can push their policies uh, in the EU? I don't believe that German influence would completely disappear. Uh, it is unrealistic. Like We have over 18 million people in Germany. Uh, that is the biggest country on population. We have, despite of all economic problems we have, and our economy requires deep modernization, but despite of all problems, we still have pretty strong economy. Uh, if we look like on absolute numbers, like it is slow, it is some sort of archaic, but it is still important. And uh, we have like a lot of influence within the EU, like, legally, politically, etc. And uh, of course, within the alliance uh, between Germany and France, none of these countries is ready to allow the new emerging powers in the East, uh, Poland or, or Czechia or, or Baltic countries, to uh, completely switch off the French-German alliance. And uh, from that perspective, both countries would act together And without the UK on board in the EU, uh, the influence of France and Germany is uh, even getting bigger, like just from that perspective of concentration of power. But what is uh, realistic and what we observe is that uh, a Germany has proven itself as a country, like morally and and uh, on soft characteristics, like as a country which cannot lead. Germany has deliberately chosen the way to be led, uh, and it was the German. It was the most important Germany's message to the world uh, during this war. It is. It was not that oh, we, we are too scared of attacking Russia or to to say in Russia that uh, we are not on the Russia side. We won't say tanks. No, it wasn't the main message. The main message was we don't want to be the first. That was what Scholz said to everyone, from Biden to Morawiecki. He said, we will not step, but that is what leaders do. leader does the first step, and a leader leads by his or her example. If you say, I will not do the first step, you're not a leader. You, you, you hide behind, behind your friends or comrades. You may be a reliable friend or comrade, but you're not a leader. Um, and that is very important, because the new countries have taken steps faster and more effective than Germany. And I mean, first of all, within the EU, it is Poland. Uh, within the NATO, it were the UK, the US. Okay, the US had their own problems, but 
the UK, first of all, Baltic countries, of course, Baltic countries are unfortunately too small to like even combined to to like uh, incorporate the the heart and like the center of the EU, but of course their influence will be bigger after this war than it used to be before. So what do we observe now? We see that in other countries in the eastern flank of the EU are getting more important. They have proved that they are vital, that they understand the situation better than Germany, that they have resources, that they are strong, that they are decisive. Poland purchased hell of a lot of military equipment. And frankly speaking, I'm I, I, I even like, although I, I welcome it, sometimes when I look at the numbers, I think, my God, uh, where would you like like to use all of this equipment, all of these tanks and artillery? Uh, you will be soon like you. You will sooner have a stronger army than the U.S. But anyway, Germany has failed to to preserve its economic and political lead, which was which used to be uh, the reason why why we have been so proud of us. So we don't have army, but 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 we lead using economic and diplomatic means. We could not. We haven't managed to improve our army. We know now that Bundeswehr is weaker now than one year ago, like no new purchases of weapons have taken place. We know that we have worse relations to our important eastern neighbors like Poland, first of all, than we used to have before because of all accusations and arrogance and like lack of trust after all. And our economy, not which would not have been like a problem by itself if we could have proven that in other cases we're okay, but in combination with other weaknesses, it can be very dangerous because our economy doesn't grow as good as it should. And we know that we have a huge amount of people who de facto unemployed, who are dependent on social payments. Maybe they're not unemployed technically, but they have that that few money that they need to apply for social subsidies to pay for their pay their rent or do other things. We know that we have huge problems with our transport system, our train system. Uh, we don't know where to buy high-tech equipment because we don't produce our own. And uh, purchases from, from China can be toxic. We don't know what to do. We still use archive communication means like fax devices. It's like a legend of, uh, like now that we still use them. And our system like is... So archaic in many ways, like I have experience of living in different countries and the German way, how you as a small mid-sized entrepreneur, when you like create your company, uh, you create your company in Ukraine, like within two days, you create your company in the UK, like within maybe one week. In Germany, it can take you months, months. And after that, it's not a surprise that people who wanted to to go self-employed and to fund their companies and try to do it, uh, yeah, and you need 25,000 euro of capital to find the company. And out of this 25,000, you need to pay in cash at least 12,000 on the first day. Uh, so all these people who could have gone like self-employed and tried their luck and tried to do something, they get still 
strongly discouraged by the state to do that. So many of them just decide, okay, I will better do nothing. I will get my social insurance payment like for maybe one year, then I will find some job, life will be better. I just do nothing. And that is a very, uh, very significant and natural problem for Germany. Not like some economic crisis, not some rivalry with other countries, but inability of our economy to get vital and vivid. You mentioned bad relations with Poland. Uh, recently, we've been observing many verbal, even attacks towards Poland. I found out that uh, German Goethe Institute financed or co-financed a clip promoting abortion, uh, which is, of course, in accordance with uh, German uh, German uh, policy. But uh, it was aimed at Poland Especially uh, the Polish government in this clip was compared to Putin, was even um, said to be worse than Putin. It's a clip of some activists, but they got funding from Goethe Institute. The thing is, why so much hostility in Germany, in German government towards Poland? Well, I would separate two different things. Uh, like first, I need to say, due to all my uh, solidarity with Poland and due to all my fascination, what your country has done for peace and stability in Europe, and how important your decisions uh, were and are for for peace, for for my life, for the life of my children, I uh, I clearly cannot support many of the decisions which Polish parliament or Polish government applies uh, in internal politics. Now, that's natural. Like, I have quite different views on many things. Um, so from that perspective, I would say that, for example, the um, the abortion laws, uh, I can pretty well understand why many Germans uh, would have criticized the same laws in any country, in any. Like, in Germany, we had the same discussion, like, we had like a huge civil movement against anti-abortion uh, laws and we still had some of them in the in the legislation until now and now like, they can be, be, be like weakened step by step yeah, so there are like two different things one thing when you say when you criticize and even harshly um some things which are happening in internal policy of your neighbor uh, and you would have criticized them also if they would have happened in your country for example if in Germany the, the same anti-abortion legislation would have been adopted, I would be a vocal opponent of it. And another question is like saying that uh, Poland is like a quasi-fascist or fascistoid country, what we hear uh, regularly at the political discussions, uh, which uh, Polish government is not, like it is clearly like, it is not a fascistoid government, okay? And uh, comparing to Putin, like, um, I have many problems, like, with Scholz and with Angela Merkel, but I would never say that Scholz is like, is like Putin, because, like, uh, Putin is, uh, Putin is a killer. Like, Putin has destroyed democracy completely. Putin killed his opponents. Putin put people into jail for, uh, for opposing him. And I can say that, okay, like, some some saying of Scholz reminds me on like a saying of Putin, but it's not. Uh, it does mean that Scholz is like Putin, right? Uh, so that is a huge problem in uh, in um, Polish German relations. I I am afraid that um, in many like they they are so multi layers, and 
Um, any question, if you go deeper in this discussion on the reasons and motives, you will land sooner or later at the topic of destruction of Warsaw and creation of death camps and uh, all the all the traumata, all the crimes which were not completely discussed even in the German society. Because inside the German society, we have mostly um, like accomplished our discussion with the topic of, of the Holocaust. And of course, there is anti-Semitism in Germany. And of course, there are people who are not happy with uh, like the idea of uh, our responsibility for the Holocaust. But you will not find enough support or any serious support in Germany. Uh, for those who would try to thematize Holocaust and try to reverse, but we didn't have the same story with Poland or with any country in uh, in uh, the Central Europe, maybe except for Russia. Like Russia is always like a special case, but even like the story with Russia is very much like under influence of legends and like some sort of distortion. But with Poland, we didn't have it. Quite the opposite. With Poland, we we have another uh, another aspect of this discussion. We love to be presented as as victims because of the refugees, because like the German the German ethnic Germans who like were expelled from from Germ uh, from Poland, and um, like despite of the fact that of course like any expelling of ethnic group is a questionable act, and like of course. Local crimes always happen during these uh, these events, but it is not true that Germans were in German-Polish relations were victims, and that is what is being said now pretty often. Like we have a, um, like a special issue of German uh, conservative magazine uh, Compact uh, dedicated extra to the question if Poland is guilty for World War II. And like they had a, a whole like talk show, video talk show, elaborating this story, like how Poland prepared the World War II and all the discrimination of ethnic minorities between World War I, World War II, and how Poland was, was guilty for World War II. That is terrible. That is terrible. And that is not only uh, a lie, it is also um, it is also a soil for revanchism, and it undermines European unity and everything. And if you look further, we we don't have in Germany any like any system which compensated all the victims of the Nazis. Because of course we had like some reparations and some compensations, but look like. Some survivals of of uh, the German Nazi of the German Nazi system of kidnapping workers in Ukraine and bringing them to Germany. They have got first their compensations. Only those who survived first got their compensations in late 2010s, and it were like some some little like hundreds of euro, maybe a couple of thousands, so nothing, literally nothing for years of war with the with the interest, nothing. And the same happened to other nations, even the nations within the EU. Like we have the same problem with Greece. So like we have the story of destroyed villages in Greece, uh, which have never been compensated. And we have the same story with Poland. 
um, like uh, we we lived for decades in some sort of like frozen uh, frozen reflection of these atrocities in the hope that uh, time will make the crimes obsolete and that uh, the 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 compensation will never be like required for the harm which had been done but it cannot be the case when we at the same time when we want to and that was like this very strong german feeling we wanted to demonstrate our neighbors that we are more clever stronger uh, more powerful richer etc and of course in this contrast when you say okay like i will tell you what to do because i am bigger stronger i have more money uh, my economy is stronger and it is like some sort of sometimes it crosses the border of uh, crosses the the uh, the limits of arrogancy then of course our neighbors and our partners start to say okay why are you telling us that uh, haven't you forgotten what you've done in, on our lands it just doesn't fit and uh, from this perspective this conflict was pre-programmed because what poland does uh polish government says uh, you, you you must compensate for what you have done and uh from any like civil law perspective it is legit because if harm had been done harm must be compensated and there are of course different ways to calculate the harm but theoretically if i ride with my car into your into your shop then i will have to compensate all the that this crash has and if i'm like if i'm bankrupt then of course i cannot like give all my money but then the court will establish the sum like how long and like how intensive i should repay my debt in international law it doesn't happen and the harm is of that huge uh, level including deaths including psychological harm including environmental harm including harm on on the cultural uh, cultural values like many cultural values the nazis have stolen from the occupied nations have never been returned uh, or like uh, the, the the stolen equipment the the workforce like has any of uh, german companies repaid like all the debts produced by by the forced labor no so from this perspective when the polish government comes with the with the invoice uh, the german say oh no 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 it's terrible like it's so much uh, it cannot be that much of course it can because it is the harm plus the interest and if you don't want to 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 have your debts haunting you uh you need to find other ways to compensate it and you need to or at least you don't need to be so arrogant and try to play an elder brother um so that is a paradox cause like i'm afraid that for a longer time in german polish relations uh this uh, history of of uh invasion and occupation and destruction will haunt these relations down and you you just cannot like it's like i i i'm, I'm not a german born person i'm naturalized in germany i'm russian born and when i come to warsaw i i can never forget like what the city could have looked like if not the destruction of the city deliberate destruction of the city by the german nazis and when i like stay in a hotel and then know that this hotel uh, used to be like a uh, center of of uh, resistance and was deliberately destroyed later by the nazis it is not what i cannot forget and uh, it happened like 80 years ago but it is still vital because when you the innocent when you are in the center of war so 
when you look around, when you see the buildings, it immediately, if you have a little bit of knowledge of history, you immediately recognize what does it mean? What does it mean? And it means a huge wound in our relations. And this wound will not be healed with German arrogancy and with all the accusations that the Poles have done that wrong, that wrong, they request too much, they are like misogynists, they are bad. It will not help. There are also current, modern relations. And there is one thing especially that we Poles cannot understand. Germany pretends to be ecological, pretends to be uh, all for renewable energy sources like wind or um, sun. But the thing is, at the same time, we are observing Germany shutting down nuclear power plants which are safe, which are efficient, which are ecological. We are thinking about building one or many even many, more than one, in Poland. And Germany at the same time is giving up on this relatively cheap and clean energy. Um, why? Well, um, it's a it's a hard question. Like, um, the problem is that we do not have ideal solution for clean energy. Like, even if you look at nuclear power plants, I personally am not totally against nuclear power plants, but we see that, for example, in hot summer in France, a lot of nuclear power plants had to be shut down because they need cooling water and cooling water you get from the rivers and when the water in the river is already warm and it is a low level of water because of the drought uh, you may not use that much water because otherwise you pump out the hot water to the river it just boil the whole fish so the french uh, economy had to to significantly reduce the amount of energy electricity produced by nuclear power plants last summer, for example. So the nuclear power plants are unfortunately not an ideal solution. Uh, of course, if they already exist, like no sense to, to just dismantle them and like shut them down and say we'll never use them. It is, of course, it is not clever. But here we are on the ground of, uh, of German non-racial emotional decision and uh, germany has a long tradition of um of taking decisions on scientific questions based on semi-religious quasi-religious ritual understanding of how the world works we we know this like this idea of the holy german nature german forest german mountains etc going back to the middle of the 19th century with the German Romanticism and nationalism and Caspar David Friedrich and uh, the other and all this movement of, of hiking tours, etc., etc. It is a complex story. For many Germans, burning coal looks to be like more natural. It's not ideal, but more natural than having a nuclear power plant because when I burn coal, it's what my predecessors did and i understand what is happening but when i have a nuclear power plant it is technology it is evil's work it's um like wizard case i don't like it and uh, like it is not like the most the most like important factor which influenced the german the german decision but one of them and of course we had also like lobby the russian lobby which lobbied like for gas for years and we hope that the gas will be a substitute for uh for energy we need to like uh to be broken technology and bridge technology 
And uh, after that, we had problem with Vladimir Putin and no more gas via Nord Stream 2. Then we had to search for new sources for gas. But brown coal remained a sustainable, a, a significant part of our energy mix. And that is problematic. Because of course, like we hope, we have renewables, we have uh, windmills, we have solar panels. But neither windmills nor solar panels like are ideal from the point of view of, of environment in a global context. because. They need like they need rare metals. They need like other uh, other components which are very hard to recycle. They need space. We can produce biofuels, but for biofuels we need to destroy landscape too. So in any any way of producing energy costs you something, and you need to transport energy. You need to storage your energy. Uh, if uh, the production is volatile because of the weather, like with solar or wind, it's even worse. Etc. 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 But to make this long answer shorten, fear of technology and in this particular case of nuclear technology has very long has a very long story and it goes back to Chernobyl and Fukushima and other cases and you just cannot ignore it. Uh, it is irrational and as many irrational feelings, it is very hard to be compensated by rational arguments. It's quite a different image of Germans and Germany that we are used to. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This was The Political Periscope. The podcast is released every Thursday at 7 p.m. 